0: I want to take a moment to uh, commemorate Memorial Day weekend. Uh, for those of you who have lost uh, someone in your family, immediate family, or uh, extended family, three generations back, anybody who's lost a loved one uh, in any type of uh, American uh, U.S. battle, uh, I'd like you to stand up at this second. And see if there's anybody out there. Can we get a mic up here to find out, uh, again, who these people are. Who'd you lose? I lost my cousin. He was only in Vietnam about six hours. Oh, wow. And he had blown up, so. All right. What was his first name? Jim. Jim, okay. All right. Come over here. I lost my uncle in uh, Vietnam as well. What was his name? Uh, David Butcher. David. I uh, lost my cousin in Vietnam. He was a uh, captain on a bomber plane. And uh, I just well, think about him every time. You? His name is uh, Robert. Robert, okay. Thank you. We have one over here. My great uncle Felix in World War II. He was in his early 20s. What was his first name again? Felix. I'm sorry? Felix? Stephen. Thank you. What? Felix. Felix. This is what it's like living with my wife. She she has to deal with this all the time. (laughs) Felix? Is that what I heard? Okay. All right. Uh, Well, thank you for sharing that. With us, because that's what the Memorial Day is all about—is uh, celebrating uh, people who gave the ultimate sacrifice, the loss of uh, their lives. Uh, let's pray uh, together. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for these individuals uh, who stood in memorial uh, for uncles and, and cousins and grandfathers. Lord. Uh, We think of just the millions of people that have given their lives for our country. And uh, we just uh, are so thankful. I mean, the freedom we have today to meet in this church and uh, not have to worry about the police showing up and shutting us down or putting restrictions on us, uh, again, uh, that was secured uh, through your power uh, through these people who gave the ultimate sacrifice. And we just are so thankful for David and Jim and Robert and Felix. There's four different individuals World War II and uh, the Vietnam War. We also pray for our veterans, Lord. Uh, they come back from war and uh, really there's two wars in their lives. There's the actual war and then there's the mental emotional spiritual war some may come back with PTSD. some may come back with just they just uh, have a lot to get over and uh, I pray that we as a ministry might be able to uh, reach out to them and encourage them and uh, show them uh, your love in Christ's name alright well as uh, John mentioned appreciate John being our guest uh, worship leader uh, today that uh, Jeff and Tabby, they were down in Tulsa when that tornado ripped through southern Oklahoma City. And so I gave Jeff a call to see if everything was okay. And he said that the tornado went right through the target area where they are starting their church in July. As many of you know, Jeff and Tabby are leaving our ministry to join a church planning team that's going to start a church in Moore, Oklahoma. In fact, they had looked at... uh, Arroywood Elementary, one of the schools that had been devastated by this tornado. So I was kind of like, really? You're, you're kidding me, man. And so I, I said, why don't you stay down there on behalf of our church and minister to the people there as well as on behalf of your new church, uh, because you're going to have a wide open mission field here with people who have gone through so much pain. And so he called me back Thursday and said that uh, another ministry had come alongside them and they were able to get all kinds of resources out to people and love on people and pray with people and encourage them. And I said, well, why don't you stay through next Wednesday, you know, and and just continue to minister. So Jeff and Tabby and Gavin are down there, and uh, Jeff and Tabby are out in the streets loving people, encouraging people with a launch team that they have. There's some pictures. Uh, Again, these are very common, the devastation of an F5 uh, that was on the ground for – Uh, two hours, and uh, here we see a picture of uh, some of the volunteers that are part of Everyday Church. They had their uh, t-shirts on as they were ministering to people uh, in that area, Uh, just again uh, meeting them at their point of uh, pain and uh, offering the hope of Christ. They had uh, their set up, in fact, he said they were going to have a service, a worship service at 830 in this Walmart parking lot uh, where they have their headquarters. But that is so cool how God... uh, uses uh, people uh, like Jeff and Tabby. So let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you uh, for Jeff and Tabby and Gavin. And uh, Lord, we're sad to see them leave our ministry, but uh, we know that they have been called uh, to Moore, Oklahoma. And you knew this tornado was coming and uh, now they're there uh, in order to uh, establish a church, uh, a beautiful flower that will uh, again blossom in the midst of this destruction. And many of these people uh, who were depending on things and all the other stuff that they had that was blown away in this tornado uh, are going to turn to you. They're going to use this tragedy in their lives to show them the most important thing and be with Jeff and Tabby. Help them as they just need have to have an emotional, and spiritual and mental endurance uh, to be able to continue to reach out to these people and we pray that you would uh, bless this new church. In Christ's name, amen. All right, well, I know you guys noticed there is something different about me this morning. I got my my haircut. I yeah, got my haircut. I don't know. I think it looks good. What do you think? I don't know. Uh, you know, it's strange. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate that. <laughs> As you get older, you think you, know, you don't have much hair left, and uh, you'd think that it would grow slower, I and mean, everything else slows down, right? you think it will go slower, but I'm good as haircut as many times as I was when I was, you know, 20. So you keep working out the money. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was interesting. I was sitting there, and I was talking with my hairstylist, a lovely woman uh, who says she's associated with the church. I'm pretty sure she never attends. And uh, so she knows I'm a pastor. I have been gone for her a couple of years, you know, seeking to be a witness to her, a light to her. And, and so I was just finished studying this passage here in Philippians, or in the midst of it. And, and so I said, you know, churches you know, operate in different ways and they teach different things, you know. What do you think you need to do to get into heaven? And she kind of went through the Ten Commandments, you know, I, I think I'm going to heaven. I didn't murder anybody. I haven't stole anything. And, and then I went in just to several minutes, uh, kind of a summation of my message uh, today, saying you know, I mean, a lot of people hear that, but you know, it's it's just Jesus. That's the only thing. It's just believing in Jesus, and we can't do anything in order to earn uh, God's love. And so I went on for several minutes, and I just stopped. You know, I kind of brought it to a close, and just dead silence. Dead silence. <laughs> I'm kind of waiting for something. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> and uh, now, so I just kind of kicked into another. Uh, vein of conversation Uh, but you know her response was the response of this world you look at Buddhism, Confucianism uh, you look at uh, Hinduism, uh, Islam it's all about what you do for whatever God they're going after I mean that, here in the United States you have all kinds of churches that are teaching the same thing it's Jesus plus something. Jesus plus the law. Jesus plus works. Jesus plus whatever. And friends, this this book tells us, God tells us, it's Jesus plus nothing. We come with nothing to Him. And that's what we're going to explore this morning. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. We're going through this uh, book of Philippians, and uh, we're going to head into our third month uh, in June. I just love this. I mean, such a rich book. And uh, we're going to take a break for Father's Day, just to give you a heads up. On Father's Day, uh, we're going to be uh, looking at the movie Superman. From a biblical perspective, it's coming out that weekend, and we're going to talk about how Jesus Christ was the true Superman. So I want you guys to be thinking about people that you can invite out, friends, neighbors. In fact, we're going to add kind of a fun way to encourage people to come out that if you bring a dad out that's not related to you okay a dad that's not related to you that's never been to springbrook before uh we'll give you two tickets to go see superman all right so just a fun way to engage people in our lives hey oh, let's come to church with me you know i get a free movie ticket yeah you know, whatever it takes yeah but uh, we'll have a have fun time with that all right, well, let's take a look at Philippians 3.1. Paul writes, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and is safe uh, for you. Finally, my brothers, it's like the little boy who said to his dad, Daddy, what does uh, the preacher mean when he says, finally? And uh, the dad said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Paul had two chapters to go here, okay? He says, Finally. Yeah, don't trust us preachers. When we You think we're wrapping up. We're just getting revved up. Uh, but he says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Well, there it is again, right? Sixteen different times Paul talks about joy in the book of Philippians. That's the theme of the book. And he says, again, I say to you, rejoice. Now, why does he keep repeating it? Because we're kind of slow to get things. It's like if you have a, a child and, and they need to turn up turn in a permission slip the next day at school. And they have a personality where they don't remember things very well. So what do you do? You know, you tell them as you fill out the permission slip you need to give this to your teacher. doesn't matter if they're 6 or 16. Give this to your teacher. Then before they go to bed, the last words, remember the permission slip. And when they get up, remember the permission slip. They're eating breakfast. Remember the permission slip. As they get on the bus, remember the permission slip. And you know you only have about a 50, 50 chance they're going to remember the permission slip. Well, friends, that's why we continue to repeat things over and over and over. And you might come to a service and say, that wasn't anything new. Well, the point is not that it's new or not, Is are you doing it? they rejoice. I've heard that before. Well, are you rejoicing this morning? Are you rejoicing in the Lord? It doesn't say rejoice in the Lord because He's good to you. It doesn't say rejoice in the Lord because He's blessing you. It says rejoice in the Lord, period. Because, friends, Lord means Yahweh, the highest name for God in the Bible. And that's the only reason we have to rejoice. God doesn't have to do anything for us. The fact that He is God is a reason To rejoice because he is an awesome God in so many different ways. So no matter how our lives are going, we can find reason to rejoice that there is a God like our God. And he is our God. That is a reason to rejoice. Again, he says, I rejoice to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Now, here, as many times Paul does, he takes a left turn. Uh, look at verse 2. It says, Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Whoa, wait a second, Paul. What are you talking about here? I mean, up to this point, it's been a nice nice letter. You know, not too many condemnations and are you know, really strong, like you got to get your act together here. And all of a sudden, he he starts ripping into whoever these people are, and we wonder, what are you talking about? And well, he's talking about the Judaizers. Now, the Judaizers were false teachers. There are different sets of false teachers in the New Testament that were following Paul around trying to confuse people. Uh, These are the Judaizers. Now, you've got to remember, when the gospel was given uh, through Jesus Christ, it went first to the Jews. And the Jews were following the Mosaic law, all the Mosaic law, and of course circumcision was an important part of that. And so, when the Gentiles were introduced uh, to the gospel, there were a lot of Jews that felt, "Hey, listen, you know, they got to do what we got to do." Now, they didn't have to do it anymore, but they still thought they had to do it—follow all the laws and the ceremonies and the sacrifices. And so, what would happen is Paul would go to start a church at Philippi. And uh, he would say, it's all about Jesus. Jesus plus nothing. Then the Judaizers would come in after him and say, you know, Paul, he's great and everything, but he didn't quite give you the whole deal. It's not Jesus plus nothing. You see, you got to remember that we Jewish people have carried uh, this relationship with God uh, for millennia, and now that we're bringing you Gentiles in, it's just not all easy and free. you got to do what we did. You know, first of all, you got to be circumcised, and that might... Uh, some people that rethink the whole situation, right? And then you have to follow the Mosaic law on top of that. So they were saying Jesus plus law. And Paul was saying, no, in fact, this particular issue became uh, such a theological problem uh, that they had what they called the Council of Jerusalem. You read about it in Acts 15. And Paul and Barnabas were saying, guys, you cannot require. Uh, the people, uh, the Gentiles that were leading uh, to Christ to do different things that the Jews were commanded to do in the Old Testament. And finally, they all agreed that was a word uh, from God. But these Judaizers were continuing on that same particular theme, and, and they were coming around and saying, if you really want to be uh, a true Christian and go to heaven, you got to do these things, Jesus plus the law. And so Paul just tears into them. He says, look out, which means beware. Beware for the dogs. Beware for the evildoers. Beware for those who mutilate the flesh. I mean, he was really offending them. Uh, now, again, we all have nice, pretty little dogs. Uh, well, there's Dick Schmidt. Uh, they, they have these two Maltese, you know, these two balls of fur that roll around here, you know. You've got to be careful. You might kill it if you step on it. But, uh, you know, they're beautiful, Dick. They really are. Dick's, Dick, well, raise your hand, Dick. Uh, Dick leads our prayer team along with his wife and man he's the prayer warrior right there you go today oh there's chris yeah she's uh (laughs) they're the prayer warriors man they're prayer leaders here at springbrook and they just are unbelievable but all that to say is we're not talking about those two fur balls you guys got okay we're talking about you know these nasty dirty dogs you know you see in third world countries you know kind of scavenging around nobody owns them nobody wants them nobody cares they carry disease and you call somebody a dog back in that day? I mean, like, that's like profanity. Well, again, that's what he thought about. Why is he so intense about this? Because these people are teaching a false gospel. And anybody who teaches a false gospel is probably the worst person on this earth because you're misleading people. You're misleading them to a crisis eternity. So he talks about them as dogs. And dogs are unclean. so it's kind of a play that... They thought they were so ceremonially clean, and he calls them dogs. Uh, look out for the evildoers. They were supposed to be uh, do-gooders, <laughs> right, with the law, but they were evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. That was a play on the circumcision. Uh, don't be circumcised, for Pete's sake, when you, be, when you come to Christ. Uh, you need to, again, uh, you need to have the circumcision of the heart, which we'll talk about here uh, in a second. And, again, it comes back to this point. You know, and that's why our ministry is so important and other ministries like it here in this area, that we're preaching the pure gospel. There are there are so many mainline churches that have been around forever that are not preaching the gospel. They're teaching Jesus plus this. Now, there are some churches that maybe you grew up in, all right, and they were teaching the gospel, but... People that you grew up with were given false hope. Some some churches have confirmation classes, and, and that can be a very good thing as long as they're teaching the gospel. But one of the complications with confirmation classes is that you can go through them, and they can give you a piece of paper that says, you know, that you're, you're good to go. You know, you got your sheepskin, uh, you got your fire insurance, and things like that. And, and you know what happens? Maybe it happened to you. You know, you're done with the confirmation. What's the point of sticking around here? You know, I'm all good and uh, I can just move on here and uh, live life the way I want to live. Well, friends, there was no spiritual transformation that took place in your life if that was the case. Now, I believe people come to Christ through those types of uh, confirmation classes, but the problem is that a lot of people think, well, I'm I'm good with God, and now I can go live my life. Well, that that's wrong. That's wrong. It's not Jesus plus confirmation. It's not Jesus plus going to church every week it's not jesus plus giving your money to god it's not jesus plus being nice to people it's not jesus plus serving people it's jesus plus nothing nada you got nothing to bring to the table when it comes to your salvation you come alone you come filled with humility you come broken you say god i'm a sinner i'm a mess restore me Make me a part of your family. Transform me. And then He does that. You do nothing. He's done it all for you. And that's what we celebrate. And that's the message we continue to teach uh, through this ministry. Amen. Amen. That's what it's all about. Yeah, let's uh, let's celebrate uh, the gospel that we preach. So let's continue on here. Verse 3. For we are the circumcision. Now, why does he say that? Well, because, he says, we're the true circumcision. The whole point of circumcision was uh, to symbolize that these people belonged to God. They were different from other people of the world, but more so it indicated their spiritual life. And when you become a Christ follower, what's, what's circumcised from your life is the power of sin. Before you, become to, before you come to Christ, you are a slave of sin. You can't do anything else but sin. You don't have the power to overcome sin in your life. You're dead. In your sin but when the Holy Spirit comes into you what he does is he cuts out that power of sin in your life you're no longer a slave to sin now you can continue to choose to sin but you don't have to anymore for we are the circumcision then he talks about three different things that are characteristics of true Christ followers first who worship by the Spirit of God So, are you a true Christ follower you worship by the Spirit of God When you have an intimate relationship with someone, when you really care about somebody, you want to spend time with them. You want to talk with them. You want to serve them. Right? So, if you have a true relationship with God, that should be your desire. And it doesn't come from a natural motivation. It's the Holy Spirit within you. If you really are uh, uh, are transformed by the power of Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. And I tell you what, you know, other people read this book who don't know Jesus and say, oh, yeah, that's an interesting historical book. But you read it, and man, it's like it comes alive. It convicts, it inspires, it's powerful, it's it moves you, okay? Now, uh, when you come to worship, if somebody came to worship who didn't know Jesus, oh, you know, it's a pretty good band, you know, I like the tune, you can dance to it, that kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> you come to worship, and you hear God's truth uh, delivered, Uh, on the stage and and it just goes deep into your heart and you just, oh, God, I love you. I worship you. And and then when you go out out into your week, you're so full of worship. Worship is a lifestyle, right? It's responding to God. And so as you go through your week, you want to please God. Uh, You want to help other people uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. You want to know Jesus. You see, it's that drive, that desire in your life. Now, here's where I want you to stop and think real carefully, all right? Now, in the last two years, if you haven't felt a strong desire to know Jesus Christ more, in the last two years, if you have not felt a strong desire to deal with sin in your life, in the last two years, if you have not had a strong desire to get into God's Word, you should be asking, are you really a Christ follower? Now, I believe, you know, once saved, always saved, you know. You make that decision once, Christ transforms you. But the problem is that, you know, some people are told by their mom and dad, well, you may, I mean, you're not living for God. You you know, it's like you might be here today just for your family or just because it's a thing to do. But, you know, this is just like an hour out of the week, maybe once a month. And the other, you know, (laughs) the rest of your month, You're just doing your own thing. You know, think about God. God doesn't seem to talk to you. And it's been a long, long time since that ever happened. Friends, you've got to be very careful. You've got to talk to somebody. You've got to evaluate your life and see really if you are a follower of Christ. Because if you're a follower of Christ, He's going to be at work in your life. There are seasons when it's dry, when we don't hear from God. But you don't have have a two-year season where you don't feel anything for. And if you're in that particular uh, group, uh, you need to talk to somebody. I'd love to talk with you. One of our prayer counselors would love to talk to you because maybe your mom and dad said you made a decision when you were five, but I don't know if that decision really was a decision. Right? You understand what I'm saying? We need to evaluate our spiritual life. And if if there's nothing there, if we are dead in emotion, we just might be dead spiritually. We better fix that. Amen. All right. So, uh, worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. That's boasting in Christ Jesus. I'm boasting in what Jesus Christ has done for me, not what I've done. And put no confidence in the flesh. Now, this is where Paul really lays it on heavy. Because the Judaizers were saying, Jesus plus the law. So, you need to have confidence in what you can do, what you can do in the flesh, so what Paul does is he gives us his resume, his resume. You hear a lot about resumes resumes these days. It's you know it's so unfortunate because so many people are out of work and people are trying to I mean, trust. You. Some of you know how hard it is to get your resume noticed these days. It'll electrify the thing or something, you know, uh, just to get somebody to notice your resume. Well, I tell you what, how, how many, anybody do any hiring or an HR and look at resumes? Anybody out there like that? Okay, you're looking at resumes, right? And you got your filter, you know, you're looking at resumes. <laughs> okay, I'll take the top 10% and throw the rest away. Yeah, that's really sad. But the point being here is that as you look at a resume, if you came across Paul's resume, if you saw Paul's resume in the understanding of that day in the context of that culture, and he was looking for a job, you would stop right there. Everything would stop. All the resumes would go in the trash. And you get on the line and say, Paul, please come in immediately. I'll meet you anywhere. You want a job here? You got it. What can we do for you? That's how impressive this resume was. Okay? Well, let's look at the resume. He was circumcised on the eighth day. Now, that might have happened to you, but don't put that on your resume, okay? not Not a good way to start out. All right? But... <laughs> uh, That was impressive back in that day uh, because that showed that he was a true Jew. I mean, if you were born into a Jewish family, on the eighth day you were circumcised uh, of the people of Israel. What Paul's trying to say is that he is not a a proselyte. It wasn't like, you know, he was 10 years old or 15 or 20 and then he became a Jew uh, like many people did in that day. He was born a Jew. He had the blue blood of a Jew. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Paul. I mean, he was all Jew. Of the tribe of Benjamin, there were 12 tribes. There were some tribes that were more seen than others. Well, Benjamin was a popular one to come from. So, uh, he's showing his creds here, all right? A Hebrew of Hebrews. Now, he was born outside of Israel, but both of his parents were Hebrews and uh He, of course, was 100% Hebrew. Can anybody say they're 100% anything here? Right? 100% Irish. We're just a bunch of mutts, right? Well, I tell you what. Paul was 100% Hebrew. And he's making a point of it here because these Judaizers were always talking about the law and how you need to do this. Well, well, Paul's laying out his resume. Okay, Judaizers, I'm going to tell you what I got. And then he says "It's a law, a Pharisee. Now, the Pharisees, when we think about them, we get a negative connotation, like, "oh, Pharisees. You know, Jesus was always giving the Pharisees a hard time. Well, it's interesting that between the Old Testament and the New Testament that there was a time uh, when the people of Israel, of course, were far from God, and the Pharisees rose up in order uh, to restore the Scriptures to their proper place, to restore how uh, the Jewish people should live by the Word of God. So it was a noble thing to do, but over time, of course, they went downhill, and they became egotistical, they became legalistic, and they said, you know, hey, we're we're all bad because we follow all these laws. They made up all these laws that were just minutiae just so that they could be prideful and say, we're so spiritual. Well, Paul said that he was a Pharisee, uh, which, again, was esteemed in that day, an incredible religious leader. And he said, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. He was committed. He he was just no average uh, Jewish uh, leader. Uh, He was so committed. remember when he was standing over Stephen's uh, martyrdom, uh, or Stephen's stoning his martyrdom, uh, and they were throwing stones on Stephen. And and I can imagine that Paul just had a big smile on his face because he viewed Christianity as one of the things that could really severely impact Judaism in a negative way. And he was right, but he was on the Judaistic side. So he went out and he started to to arrest Christians. He wanted to stamp out Christianity. That was his goal. Then it goes on to say, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. 613 laws. Now, he's not saying he's sinless. But he said that he had followed all 613 laws. Now, his heart was evil, but they followed all the laws. They were very meticulous. They were very religious, but at the same time, they were very lost. Friends, there are so many people in this world that are very religious, that are very committed, that are very zealous, that believe what they believe to the bottom of their heart, but it's wrong, and they're lost. There are not multiple ways to God. There's one way. And it's Jesus. So he was top of the class here, okay? But notice in verse 7 what he says, But whatever gain had I, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And this is where the transition takes place. Okay, this is my resume. I mean, you can look at it. and I, I was on the top of the heap. I mean, you know, Paul was an up-and-comer. He was a rising leader within the Pharisees. Uh, but he says, listen, but whatever gain I had, however people esteem me, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. These are accounting terms. Profit is gain. Loss is loss. And he just said, I'm, I'm just going to write it off as a loss. All these wonderful things that people think are so great about others, I, I don't care anymore for the sake of Christ. And, and it all happened on the Damascus Road, remember? Paul was, you know, all full of self-righteous anger, and, and he was heading up to arrest some Christians, and all of a sudden, Jesus Christ! appears to him on the Damascus Road, and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he had that divine encounter. At that point, he was forever transformed. He became a child of God. He, he became a turncoat to Judaism, and he became a Christ follower. And that's when everything changed for Paul. I hope you've had that experience in your life. Or Christ has had a divine encounter with you, and you discovered His grace. And we see the change in verse eight. Indeed, I count everything as loss. All that stuff that you people think are so uh, you people think are so impressive uh, as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's all he wanted in life. The one thing Paul wanted was to know. Jesus. is more important than anything. For this sake I have suffered the loss of all things. I mean Paul was riding high. He had a great future ahead of him. He had wealth. And once he turned to Jesus he gave it all away. I mean mean, he no longer was esteemed. He was viewed as a turncoat, as somebody who had rejected Judaism. Uh, He didn't have much money. People had to support him as he went from Uh, place to place, starting churches, spent four years, five years in jail, shipwrecked, almost killed twice. I mean, that's not exactly uh, the Israeli dream. You know, (laughs) it just isn't. But he said, listen, you know, it's all about knowing Jesus. It's not about my circumstances. It's not about the pain that I've been through. It's all about knowing Jesus. That's what counts. In fact, he goes as, Far to say, for this sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So not only is he saying, Well, you know, going the uh, Jewish way was good, but going the Christian way is better. No, he said, going the Jewish way was going the wrong way. It was an empty way. It was full of self-righteousness. It was a way that led to hell. But Going Christ's way is everything. And so I'm willing to say that was wasted time. All that education, all those accolades, all my leadership. It's a loss. It's a waste of time because I have not been pursuing Christ. And I was thinking about this this past week. And I was thinking about my value system and how I think and I'm thinking, Dan, are you that serious about Christ? I mean, really knowing Christ? Dan, what would you be willing to give up to really know Jesus? Would you be willing to give up your ministry to really know Jesus? Would you give up your family? If it, you know, let's say my extended family, if they weren't Christians, some of you have done that. You, you had to, in a sense, give them up. If they've looked down on you. They've... They've made fun of you. They don't want anything to do with you. You had to give them up for Jesus. Would I be willing to give up a lot of my financial resources in order that I might know Jesus more? Would I be willing to give up a relationship with somebody that I maybe would like to marry, but they're not a Christ follower? Would I be willing to give that up in order to know Jesus more? Would I be willing to stop hanging out with certain friends in order that I might gain the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and this knowledge that we're talking about here, this knowledge uh, is not a head knowledge. It's gnosis. Gnosis. The Gnostics were another false uh, group of false teachers. They taught about a secret knowledge, they had a Jesus plus a special knowledge of Jesus. Uh, they, of course, they were false teachers, a false gospel that Paul dealt with a lot. But this gnosis is the idea of getting close to God. In fact, it was inter- I, this is really the gem of the week for me personally, is that uh, I was reading and it was talking about the fact that uh, pagans, in order to grow close to their gods, they would just get drunk. <laughs> they would just go out and just get smashed. <laughs> you know, That was their form of worship. That's how they did it sometimes. And then I thought about Ephesians 5.18 not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And it gave me a whole new insight into that verse. I think what it's talking about there is don't get drunk on wine like the pagans do to get close to God. Be filled with the Spirit to get close to God. That's what draws us into a close relationship uh, with Jesus. And, and, and friends, you know, my, my desire for you and my desire for you, especially as we head into this summer. Summer is a wonderful time for a lot of reasons. But it, it, we just have a little more time free time you know spend time with Jesus spend time with Jesus you might know a lot about Jesus but how much really have you experienced Jesus Jesus calling I mentioned that a wonderful devotional I mean if you're really feeling kind of dry in your relationship with Jesus it's all kind of intellectual you don't feel that heart connection get that devotional by the book or by the e-book kindle whatever but oh man so powerful because it's written from jesus perspective and it's got beautiful verses to meditate on every day talk about experiencing christ if you just do that every day spend like 10 minutes a of daily office not trying to gain new knowledge okay <laughs> you know we're specialists in that sometimes but just experiencing jesus and, and and meditating and thinking and letting him pour into us you know that's what's going to make the difference and just to It takes some time to think about who you are in Christ. I It takes some time to to think about the fact that you're you're a child of God. You've been forgiven. Christ's righteousness has been given to you. He's brought you into a relationship with the Father. You have the confidence at the point of death that you'll be with Him in paradise immediately. There won't be any type of break. You'll be with Jesus. That that Jesus gives you everything you need. Everything you ever will need for life. I mean, mean, how closely do do you walk with Jesus? How much do you depend upon Him? How really well do you know Him? I mean, like with your spouse. If you've got a good, healthy relationship with your spouse, you know, you're know you depending on each other, you're leaning on each other for strength and wisdom, and when one's strong, one's weak, and vice versa, you go through difficult times. I mean, that's the kind of relationship Jesus wants with you. He wants you... I mean, if you're going to have that kind of relationship, you've got to be talking with Him. you got to be leaning on Him. You say, God, I don't know how I'm going to get to this day. I'm so tired. I'm so mentally stressed. And you got to be talking to Him all throughout the day and say, help me, guide me, empower me. You know, I mean, you got burdens in your life. And I love what it says here. Uh, we'll skip ahead to verse 10. It says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. That the same power, and you got to remember, Jesus Christ was dead. Sometimes we kind of gloss over that, but he, he was dead. I mean, he was cold. There was no blood pumping through his body, there was no brain activity. He was just laid out, you know. And God brought him back to life. you imagine going to a, a visitation or a funeral and all of a sudden have the guy or the lady pop up in the casket? Hey, guys, back. Oh, That's what happened to Jesus Christ. He came back from the life. Now that's an incredible power, isn't it? That same power is for you and me to deal with our burdens this week. And, you know, my prayer for you, and we're going to have a prayer time here in a moment, them up and get some prayer power. My prayer for you, whatever you're struggling with, usually our prayer is, God, take us away. Take this problem away. Take this person away. (laughs) Remove them! I need virus in my life, virus uh, protection. Uh, But change that prayer and say, God, don't take this burden away, but help me to grow close to you through this burden. Help me to be more dependent upon you. Help me to be more prayerful. Help me, h- allow, uh, allow me to let you comfort me in the midst of my pain. I pray, don't remove the burden this week, Lord. Maybe next week. <laughs> you know, Don't remove it now. Help me to walk you this week with that burden. And help me to really know you. Not head knowledge, but really gnosis know you an experiential knowledge where you're my friend and you're my Savior and and you're the one I depend upon. And Paul says that's what life is all about. It's knowing Jesus. So no matter what your circumstances are right now, no matter how painful life is, no matter how you've sinned, whatever, I mean, if you wake up every day and say, my goal is to know Jesus better today. To understand His grace better, His mercy, His love, uh, how much He cares about me and how much He wants me to grow to be like Him. I mean, that is where the spiritual life, your spiritual life is going to come alive. And it's not going to be an academic thing. It's not going to be a religious thing. It's not going to be something you do just... Something that's compartmentalized. Oh yeah, i got to do the spiritual thing. No, it's going to be who you are deep down inside. It's going to be the, the way your heart beats. It beats for Jesus. And friends, we're all far from that. Don't go on a guilt trip here with me, okay? We're all far from that, but we need to continue to pursue it to the power of the Spirit. We're going to have our prayer team come up right now. And I tell you what, we want you to come as God leads you to get some prayer power. Say, I need to walk with Jesus more closely. And I know some people feel self-conscious about coming up uh, for prayer. But when you think about it, when you come up for prayer, you're saying, I'm human. <laughs> I'm a sinner. I need help. And I know some of you are thinking, I, you know, people are thinking, I'm perfect. Uh, so I want to keep that going. If I go up there, I'm going to break it. <laughs> Uh, we don't think that. <laughs> you're all great people, but you're far from perfect. And I know all of you are very needy. You might not think you're needy, but you are. Because <laughs> if you're not aware of your need, then you're less mature than you think you are. Well, that's not a story about that. The point being is, is we all need prayer. We all need Jesus. So don't let that be a barrier for you coming up today. If God leads you, I mean, hey, if people are giving away prayer, you come get it. Right? Amen?